0: did come in with just a little bit of a problem. Second Peter chapter number 1, if you're there, look down if you would and remain seated to verse number 12. Second Peter chapter 1, we have some exciting news at the end of our service tonight, so we're going to jump right into it if we could and not delay. The Bible says in verse 12, wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them, and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet, as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up by, the putting, by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you again for your word and the message you sent. Help us, Lord, to preach it the way you'd have us to. I pray for liberty and leadership of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray you'd work in hearts and lives tonight. Help us receive it. Bless the invitation time as well, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight we're going to continue our look and our study on advancing in adversity. And adversity is something we know all too well over the last few months, even going into uh, this week with the hurricane heading our way. It just seems that we have one after another with the adversity that we've been dealing with. Uh, In the first week we looked at some of the choices of the church. Uh, In order to continue to advance in the midst of the adversity, there's some choices the church has to make. And we looked at unity, sacrifice, and focus. The only way our church will continue to advance in the midst of adversity as we've got to maintain our unity, be willing to sacrifice and maintain our focus on what God's called us to do. Last week we looked at the fuel of our fire or the motivation that we have during this time of adversity. It's easy to go through difficulty and calamity and crisis and lose your motivation. As a matter of fact, Brother Nate preached a wonderful message on motivation the other night and how important it is for us to maintain our motivation particularly in difficult Times And we looked at Gideon and how Gideon, the Bible says, was faint yet pursuing. And how Gideon just continued to go in spite of the fact he was tired and wearied from the battle. The two things we looked at last week were Gideon was looking forward to the victory in front of him. And he was looking at the defeat that was behind him. And they motivated him to continue moving forward. Now tonight in Second Peter, I'm just going to go ahead and give you what we're going to be looking at tonight. We're going to be looking at the mindset of our mission. Okay, the mindset of our mission. I want you to know tonight that in order to advance in adversity, the least thing that you can do to make sure you keep going is to make up your mind, all right, to make up your mind. Henry Ford once said this, whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. Think about it. Whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. What he was speaking at was the mindset. And I want you to understand tonight, so many of us oftentimes we fail in our walk with God or we fail in our service to God. And most of the time we failed in the battles that took place within our mind. They were not battles outside of our body. They were battles inside of our mind. And after a while, the old devil gets in your head and he defeats you between your ears before he defeats you out in your service to God this is why it's important tonight we have the right mindset I mentioned to you Sunday night Nehemiah the Bible says that those people continued in the midst of their adversity why because the Bible says the people had a mind to work they had made up their mind they were going to do what God sent them there to do and God blessed and God used them why because they made up their mind they were going to do what thus saith the Lord I believe tonight one of our biggest battles and problems we face in Christianity is we've yet to make up our mind that we're going to do what thus saith the Lord. I remember as a kid, uh, G.I. Joe came on television, and it always taught a moral. You know, I know that's weird today in a society that we're living in, uh, but every show, even the Cosby show, you remember that? They taught a moral on what to do or what not to do. And the G.I. Joe show, at the very end, they gave a lesson about brushing your teeth or leaving the water running or swimming without, you know, floaties on. I mean, not all of us need floaties, but some of you ought to try them. Uh, And they would tell you, now you know. And knowing is half the battle. They would always say that at the end of G.I. Joe. Can I tell you tonight that knowing is half the battle, and having the right mindset is imperative if you desire to complete the mission and advance in adversity. This is why Paul says this let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What is he telling them? That in order to do what you're called to do and be who you're called to be, it begins with your mind. That's why he says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 8, the Bible tells us, If there first be a what? Willing mind. Notice it begins with the mind. Now, folks, if we're going to advance in adversity, we've got to have the right mindset for our mission. Because I'll tell you this, our mindset is going to affect how you perform on your mission give an example I was in uh, junior high school no high school at seminary ninth grade uh, seminary high school right up the road here and every year we played the piney Woods school you know that school on highway 49 and boy they were very good at basketball Uh, here I was a six foot guy you know I was I was tall for my age but not tall compared to guys who play basketball all over the country and so I was telling Brother Nate about this the other day. Here we come out. They were 80s throwbacks, okay, the uniforms. They were just, I don't know how they wore them shorty shorts back then, and I would always wear them spandex things underneath it just to at least cover up some of that ugly from those white legs. I probably should have not wore them, maybe blinded them a little bit, and that would have helped us win a game. And so here we come out with our 80s throwback jerseys and 80s throwback outfits. They get off of their Bluebird bus. It pulls right up to the door. <tch-> The door opens, I think there was even smoke. And here comes the guys from Piney Woods in matching windsuits, those kind that tear away. I always wanted one of those. I want to have warmups like that when I come up here to preach one day, just come up and have my suit ready to get up here and preach. Hey, you know, you got to dream about some things. And they walked in with matching headphones, matching gym bags. And they walked in, they're 6'5", 6'7", even a couple of them were 6'11". So we're out there doing warm-ups, and we're doing layups for warm-ups, okay? They're out there dunking all over the place during warm-ups. They got technicals for it, but you know why they did that? They were trying to get in our head. And can I tell you what they did? They got in our head. You know, we're just glad to touch the rim. I mean, we even had guys on our team that were glad to slap the net from time to time. And here they are throwing alley-oops all over the gym, dunking during warm-ups. And I want you to know, they beat us 126 to 57, It was horrible. I'm degrading myself for an illustration tonight. I hope you appreciate that. A little humility will go a long way. I had a good friend of mine tell me one time never miss an opportunity to be humiliated. And so I'm humiliating myself for the sake of illustration tonight. They got in our head. I'm going to tell you, they beat us before the game ever started. Why? They got in our head. They mess with our mind. I tell my daughter that all the time. Don't let the other guys get in your head. Listen, if you let them beat you there, they're going to beat you before you ever get to the court. And I believe the reason God's people are losing tonight and we're not advancing adversity is because the devil is getting in our mind. We don't have the right mindset. And Peter is showing us how to have the right mindset for the mission in which we're called. Now, I want to show you the adversity that Peter's facing to give you some perspective. He said, well, Peter, Peter wasn't going through hurricanes, multiple, tornadoes, multiple, an epidemic, a coin shortage. Uh, I mean, listen, I was at the coffee shop today, and, and they were out of whipped cream. Uh, I mean, it's getting bad in America. Uh, we're, they're running out of coins. We're running out of whipped cream, and it's just going. It's getting bad. Let me tell you what Peter was going through. If you look down, if you will, to verse number 14. Peter says, knowing that shortly I must put off this My tabernacle. You know what Peter knew? The Lord had let him know. He knew that he was going to die. He was on his way to die. Now, I don't know of of a greater adversity than that, and to think and to know. We all know we're going to die someday, but Peter knew. As a matter of fact, Jesus told him in John 21, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest, When thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thine hands, and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. He knew that his end was not far down the road, and yet here he is saying this. Watch what he says. Verse 15, moreover, I will endeavor. He knows adversity is in front of him. He knows that tragedy waits for him. He knows that death. We don't have a biblical record. We have a historical record that Peter was crucified upside down. Historical, that's what they tell us. He didn't feel he was worthy to be crucified as Christ was, so he was crucified upside down. He knew that what waited on him was going to be difficult, and yet he says, moreover, I will endeavor. He says, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to advance in the face of adversity. Why? Because he had the right mindset. Tonight we're going to show you how Peter made up his mind. So let's look at this if we could. And uh, i got something exciting I want to share with you at the end of the service. And so let's jump right in if we could. Now, 2 Peter's the last testament of the life of Peter. And he's challenging Christians to keep their faith. Now look down to verse number 12 and you're going to see the first thing that's going to ha- help you have the right mindset uh, on the mission of which we're called. The Bible says, wherefore I will not be negligent. To put you always in remembrance of these things though you know them and be established in the present truth now notice the words where he says I will not be negligent I will not be negligent Peter is recognizing that even though he's facing adversity he knows he's going to die he knows what is waiting on him and yet Peter says there's something more important to that and it's my responsibility He says, I cannot neglect my responsibility. And in the face of adversity, he kept going, why? Number one, notice he was mindful of his responsibility to remind. He was mindful of his responsibility to remind. He says, I've got to remind you of something. Now, even though he knew what was coming... And even though he was facing adversity, he says, I have a responsibility to remind you of something, to remind you of all the things he said between verse number one and verse number 11. Can I tell you tonight that we should still be mindful of our responsibility in spite of our adversity? All right? Peter's setting the pattern. He's showing us, listen, we all face difficulty. Uh, I mean, uh, Brother AJ was talking about his dad having water flowing through his house, and uh, Miss Simmons was telling me today that her daughter has a tree in their yard, and there's churches that are flooded tonight. Everybody's facing some sort of adversity, but so was Peter. Peter knew that he was going to die. And Peter says, in spite of my adversity, I still have a responsibility that I can't neglect. Can I tell you tonight what will take your mind off of adversity is the holy responsibility we are left here to fulfill. Peter said, I still have a job to do. He said, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance. Can I tell you adversity is one of the greatest distractions to our Christian responsibility? Adversity. The devil knows that he can distract us with a hard time or a rough day or a bad day at work, that that will distract us from our Christian responsibility. Listen, you don't have to be off in Satan worship using a Ouija board to be out of the will of God. If we get distracted from our work, then listen, the sin is old mission, not commission. I often confess before I go to bed, even my wife and daughter will be sitting there. They're in the nursery tonight, aren't they? I'm looking for them and I can't find them. I thought they were playing hooky on me. Where are they at tonight? They're back there in the nursery working. And we'll sit there and I'll have prayer time. And I'll confess to God before my wife and daughter as we pray about things that I committed. I got angry. Maybe I was unkind. But I'll tell you, oftentimes my greatest sins are those of omission, not commission. Where I fail to fulfill my Christian responsibility. And you know oftentimes what my excuse is? I had a rough day. So therefore, because I had a rough day, I'm excused from doing what God called me to do. I'm not excused. If Peter knows he's facing death, and the Bible says, knowing, verse 14, that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, and yet he says, I'm still not going to be negligent. This is why in Galatians 6, the Bible tells us not to be weary in well-doing. The Bible says, for we shall reap if we faint not. Notice there's weariness in well-doing. You're going to get weary as you are doing well and fulfilling the will of God. But the Bible says the only way we're going to reap is if we faint not. You know what that is? That's advancing through the adversity. Weariness is adversity. Fainting not is advancing. And The Bible says in spite of being weary, we've got to continue advancing and not fainting if we want to reap. You see, it's that responsibility of reefing that we need to keep in our mind. I've told you the story many times of uh, the debacle uh, back about, uh, many, about 10 years ago when I was scuba diving and ran out of air. I told you that story 105 feet down in the Gulf of Mexico on a shipwreck, and I was the dummy who ran out of air. Oh, once again, humiliating myself, but for the sake of illustration, I think it's worth it. Now, do you know before I was certified to become a scuba diver, uh, I went through weeks and weeks and weeks of training went through class after class after class. I went up to the community college there in Meridian, and we, we went in the pool, and we worked with this guy. He was an ex-Navy SEAL, and he taught us everything we needed to know. I took the test. I graduated, and I got my little card that I was a certified diver. So I knew the things that I needed to know to do the things I needed to do. Well, we get down there, and like a dummy, uh, I use all of my air. And I did not have a backup, and I'm in trouble. Had it not been for Brother Timothy's brother, I, I would have been, been gone home to be with the Lord. But as we were running, as I was running out of air, and we were trying to share air together, all of a sudden, I quit exhaling. It's a rule that when you have air in your lungs, and as you're ascending, be sure you let the air out, or your lungs are going to go, which is not a good thing. And I was so in a rush to get to the surface that I just held my breath and swam as fast as I could to the top and my lungs were just messed up. I had to go to the emergency room, thought I was going to die. It was just a rough, rough day. Now watch this. I knew what to do. I had been trained in what to do. I passed the test on what to do. But in a brief moment of crisis, all of that went out the window. Isn't that what happens to us? We know what to do. We've been trained in what to do. We graduated Christian school, or we're in Sunday school all of our life, or we we're in a good church that preached the Word of God our whole life, and we know exactly what to do. But if you're not careful, in a moment of crisis and calamity, all of that goes out the window. And the devil used adversity to distract you from your advancing. By the way, he chalks that up as a win. All right, we may not be out getting drunk with the rest of the world and on drugs with the rest of the world But if we're distracted from what god's called us to our christian responsibility, he still wins So notice peter's showing it. how do we advance in adversity have a mindset? i be mindful of our responsibility notice verse 12. Wherefore, I will not be negligent I will not be negligent Can I tell you? If you told me I was dying tomorrow or going to die in six weeks or six months, I would probably have a pity party for myself. I'm going to live the last six weeks or six months just for me, and I'm, I'm going to go to Italy. Brother Nate's done flung a craven on me to go to Italy. He went to Italy, and he showed me all pictures of the food. That's why I like Brother Nate. He takes pictures of food. And, uh, you know, all you folks take pictures of mountains and waterfalls. He takes pictures of food. And after he showed me those pictures, I'm like, I want to go to Italy. You know, I say, good night. I have 25 years. I've been in the ministry. I've only got six months to live. I'm just going to go and do what I want the last six months. And I'm allowing adversity to distract me from my responsibility. And yet Peter's not. Peter says, I know, verse 14, I must put off this, my tabernacle, but I still have a responsibility. I cannot neglect what I'm called here to do. Can I tell you something? Regardless of the fact that we've got so much adversity going on around us, we still have a holy responsibility from Almighty God to remind the world of who God is. That's why we're here. Peter says, hey, I've still got a job to do. I've got to remind them. Therefore, I'm going to keep my responsibility. Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, he says, For a necessity is laid upon me. You know what a necessity is? It's not ice cream. Necessity is not a grilled cheese from Sonic. Necessity is not to go deer hunting. Although Brother Nate caught a deer in his backyard the other day. I'm not talking about caught one with his eyes. I'm about caught one with his hands. You know, I feel like I gotta up my man cart a little bit. You know, somebody catches a deer, I've shot somebody or caught one. Going deer hunting, that's not a necessity. Paul says, can I tell you what a necessity is? Yea, woe is me if I preach not the gospel. Now, you're talking about adversity. There was somebody who knew adversity. He was run out of just about every town that he went in. He was shipwrecked. Look, not just once, many times. And yet he kept on going. Why? Because his adversity did not excuse his responsibility. This is what Peter's saying. Peter says, I want you to know, I understand the mindset of the mission is to be mindful that I have a responsibility to remind this world that I'm living in of what thus saith the Lord. And that's why we're here. You know, I have, in my office, you go in there and I have an iPad, I have a computer and I have all this electronics, but I still use post-its. Anybody still use Post-its? I got Post-its everywhere. I love Post-its, and my wife's taught me how to use even use Post-its on my computer. And I have Post-its there to remind me of things that I need to do, appointments that I have to keep, people that I need to go see, and so on, and so forth. They're reminders. Do you know the Christian is like God's Post-it? We're to be the ones who remind the world of who God is and what God says. That's why we're here. Peter says, I'm here. Watch what he says. A matter of fact, look at verse number 12. The Bible says, I will not be negligent to put you in remembrance. Look down at verse 13. Yea, I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in what? What? Remembrance. Look down at verse 15. Moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. Peter says, look, in spite of my adversity, I have a responsibility to remind you of what thus saith the Lord. And that's why God left us here. God left us here to remind the world of who he is and what he says. Now watch this. The Bible says in Psalms 9 verse 17... The wicked shall be turned into hell in all the nations that forget God. Now let's let this sink in. The wicked shall be turned into hell in all the nations that forget God. I think we would unanimously be in agreement tonight that our world and even our nation has forgotten God, all right? You don't have to look very far to realize we have forgotten God. I don't know if you saw in New Hampshire, the the, the one who won the GOP nomination for sheriff is a Satanist, uh, 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 what's the word by the name? Ark. What's the word I'm looking for? You know, yeah, that's the word. Yeah, that's the word. He's a bad guy, okay? Transsexual. My brain just went blank. That's what happens when you turn 40. But it's okay, because after a while, you learn to laugh at yourself just a little bit. He's a Satanist, all right? He's an anarchist. That's the word, anarchist. He's an anarchist and a transsexual. Got the GOP nomination for sheriff in New Hampshire. Listen, this world's forgotten God. Amen? We just, we cry it out. This world's forgotten God and America's forgotten God. Do you know why America has forgotten God? Brace for it. Those who were left to remind them have not done their job. Peter says, I'm here to remind you of what thus saith the Lord, and in spite of the adversity, I'm going to remind you. That's why I'm here. And folks, listen, America's forgotten about God because the church hasn't done its job to remind them. How can we expect the lost world to remind our our country about the God they don't even know? And yet we know him. We're those post-its that God left around the world to remind them of him and what he said. And Peter says, you know what? I don't care how much adversity I'm going through. I'm going to remind you of what thus saith the Lord. There's a term we use in, or they use in criminal justice called this, negligent homicide. Negligent homicide is a, when a criminal is, a charge is brought against a person who through criminal negligence allows another person to die. Now, did you hear that? The Bible, uh, the Bible, the criminal code says negligent homicide is this, a criminal charge brought against a person who through criminal negligence allows another person to die. Can I tell you tonight, I believe the church is guilty of negligent homicide because we have been negligent. We have not reminded this world of who God is, or what he says all right we've got our affection set on other things not on things above and we're not reminding them we are the ones who are left to do that Peter shows us it doesn't matter how much adversity we're going through God left us here to be the ones to remind the world and we're negligent we're negligent Peter says I'm not going to be negligent you look at that word remembrance it simply means this to bring to your attention To bring to your attention. I have some wonderful ladies in my life. The first is my wife. The second is my daughter. The third is Miss Pam. uh, And I have a lot of ladies. My mom is there who remind me of things. Uh, You know it's hard to forget when you've got people that are always reminding you. Now, there's a difference in reminding and nagging, ladies, all right? Don't you go home and say, you see, the preacher said it's okay for me to nag you. No, I didn't say that. Uh, they kindly and polite, politely remind me. Uh, I had uh, pre marriage counseling last night at the church, and uh, I was leaving. My, I was doing a project for my wife at the school and getting ready to leave. I said, all right, I'm going to go to Home Depot and be back by six, and my daughter's in the back seat. She says, Dad, don't you have something at the church tonight at six? I said, not that I know of. She said, don't you have pre-marriage counseling with somebody tonight at the church? I'm thinking, oh, yeah. I mean, look, even my 13-year-old daughter's even got it on the action now. She's reminding me. And thank the Lord I showed up in my suit and I looked all right. Miss um, Julie didn't even hardly know it until I would have told her that. I almost forgot about their marriage counseling last night. But thank the Lord I had somebody to remind me. And I was able to be where I needed to be and doing what I needed to do at the appointed time. Why? Somebody reminded me. And yet we look at our world. Our world is not where it needs to be. It's not doing what it needs to do. When it needs to do it, do you know why? Because the people who've been given the charge to remind the world of what thus saith the Lord are negligent. We're negligent. What does he say? He says, wherefore I will not be negligent. Philippians chapter 2, we learn about a dear servant of God by the name of Epaphroditus. Paul says this of him. Oh, what a testimony. He says, because for the work of Christ he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life, to supply your lack of service toward me. Now notice, he wasn't in perfect health. The Bible says, because for the work of Christ he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life, to supply your lack of service. Here's what Epaphroditus' motto was, the job's got to get done. I know that I'm sick. I'm nigh unto death. I'm not doing my best, but the job's still got to get done. Somebody's do the job, and it's sad that oftentimes it's those who aren't in the best of health who are more interested of serving God and being faithful to His call. Number one tonight. Notice the mindset of our mission is being mindful of our responsibility to remind. The second thing, look down at verse thirteen. What else did Peter have on his mind in spite of his adversity? Yea, I think it meet or sufficient or necessary as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. So we see Peter is showing us in verse 12, he didn't forget about his responsibility. Can I tell you, in the midst of this adversity, do not forget your responsibility our adversity and our difficulty and our calamity and our crisis does not excuse us from what we were left here to do but then he turns his attention to others he says i think it meet as long as i am in this tabernacle to stir you up. you see not only did he have a responsibility but he saw their need number two tonight what kind of a mindset and be mindful of tonight he was mindful of their need to know he was mindful of their need to know in spite of adversity, the people still needed to hear what Peter had to say. Okay? In spite of all that Peter had going on, specifically he was about to die, he said, you know what, they still need to hear from me. Not only does he have a responsibility to God to do it, they have a need to hear it. And he's saying, you know what, in spite of the difficulty, they got to hear what i got to say. They need to hear what i got to say at the end of our service tonight. We'll, uh, we'll have an opportunity to pray all around one of our missionaries. I won't mention them specifically until the end of service tonight, but they're going to be going uh, in the will of God. Our church is going to send them out to go into a very, very hostile area to do the will of God. Very dangerous area to do the will of God. A lot more dangerous than it is for us to do the will of God here, I assure you that. And we're going to pray for them before they leave here in just a couple of days. Is there adversity? Yeah. I mean, just a trip of the magnitude of where they're going is a, is a rough trip, but the area they're going to is a very, very rough area, and yet they're going. Why? Because the people still have a need to know. You see, the adversity does not change the people's need to hear what they need to, be, what they need to say, and what they need to say is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you tonight, it's easy in the midst of our adversity to forget about the needs of others. It'd been easy for Peter to say, I'm gonna die. If Peter just have himself a pity party. Here I am, serve the Lord, going through all this difficulty. You'd think God would give me a, you know, a good finish, a nice send off at a Christian retirement home, you know? Just let me go out in style and ease, and maybe, you know, maybe get him a coffee with whipped cream on it, you know. Maybe God's no, God says you're gonna die and it's going to be rough. And yet, what is Peter focused on? Notice Peter's mind was more focused on their need than his. He was more focused on their need than his. One of the quickest ways to forget about the adversity you're going through is to focus on the adversity that others are going through. I learned that from my mom. My mom has a lot of illnesses and sicknesses and, uh, you know, difficulty with her body, old flesh body. It just gives us so much trouble. And I remember all throughout my childhood, mom making those little pound cakes and taking them to ladies in the community. I'm like, well, you know, you ought to be taking care of yourself. He said, no, I forget about what's going on in my life when I take care of others. That's what Peter's doing. <laughs> Peter, I almost feel like he forgot he was going to die. Why? Because he says, Look, I think it's meet as long as I am in this tabernacle, as long as I have left breath, as long as my heart is beating, I'm going to make sure that you get exactly what you need because that's my responsibility. Just as we have a responsibility to God to tell them they have a need to know it, but if you're not careful, we're gonna let the distractions of all that we're going through right now distract us from the needs of others. And I'm gonna give you a very personal illustration. I have had in the past two weeks, really the whole time this is going on, boy, in the past two weeks, I've been very convicted about it, Uh, I have had to sit down and write some letters to many of our church members that I love dearly. And you know what they were letters of? They're letters of apology. Because in the midst of all that we've had going on, you feel like the world's been on fire, and you're just juggling fireballs one to another, going to this fire and going to that fire, and... All of a sudden, I have forgotten about some people in our church. I hate to tell you that, but it's the truth. And I've had to sit down and write some letters to people and say, I want you to know I love you. And I am so sorry that I got so involved in my needs and things that I was having to take care of at the church that I forgot about you. Now, I want to tell you, it's not fun being humbled. But sometimes it's necessary to realize that we've gotten so focused on our own adversity and what we're going through, we've forgotten about the needs of others. This is why we teach our children the song, Jesus and others and you, what a wonderful way to spell joy. Can I tell you, it's not only a wonderful way to spell joy, it's a wonderful way to have joy. Hey, just look, I'm not saying neglect your body and neglect your family, nothing by that, no means at all. But I don't think that's our problem. We focus on ourselves way too much as it is. It's the needs of others that we're often neglecting. And I'll tell you, listen, the the mindset that Peter had was, listen, not only his responsibility to God, but he was focused on the needs of others. And I promise, if you'll get in your mind that I still have a responsibility in spite of my, my adversity, they still have a need in spite of my adversity. After a while, your focus is off of your problems, and they don't weigh as much on you. We just recognized the September 11th attacks just last week. And every time around that year I go back and you're reading the numbers and you're watching the timelines on TV of what happened and what happened when. And we had our kids out at the flagpole at 847. I believe Uh, it was Eastern time when the first tower was hit, uh, the North Tower on the north side. And I was reading some numbers to the young people so that they wouldn't forget. I think they need to remember. They need to remember, you know, we forget about things like that. We're prone to repeat events like that. And so it's important our kids remember that. So we got them out at the flagpole, and I read the numbers for them. And here's one that stood out. Of the 2,977 victims killed in the September 11th attacks, 412 were emergency workers. 412 were emergency workers. Many of them who were not in the buildings when they were hit, but ran into the buildings after they were hit they literally ran into adversity. Many of them carrying hundreds of pounds of gear and equipment on their backs as they made their way up the stairs. I mean, the the Twin Towers over 100 stories tall, and they're making their way up the stairs. Why? Why? One word, others. Others. Don't you realize the building's on fire and America's under attack? I mean, listen, folks, most of us, I'm going to be honest with you, probably would have found a hole in the ground to climb in and just take cover. But, oh, there were some special people. God had some first responders who didn't think about themselves and their problems. They just ran right into that building. Why? They were focused on the needs of others. Did they know the buildings were on fire? Absolutely. But that was not their focus. Their focus was on the needs of those that were trapped inside. Can I tell you tonight, I believe the mindset of the Christian ought to be like a Christian first responder. That's who we ought to be. We ought to be so focused on the needs of the world like Epaphroditus, we forget about our own problems. And I'll tell you, by the way, that's one of the best things you could do for yourself. Take your mind off yourself. Focus on the needs of others. But notice what he said in verse 13. I think it meet or necessary. Now here he is. Peter sees a need in their life. What does he say? Yea, I think it's meet. I think it's necessary. As long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. It's interesting, he uses the analogy of stirring up. Of stirring up. Do you know what the opposite of stirring up is? Settling down. All right? If you're not being stirred up, you're going to be settled down. And can I tell you why America has settled down to the things of God? America doesn't hardly know who God is. I mean, we even had kids ride our church bus a few years ago who did not know who David and Goliath were or Daniel and the lion's den. How shocking. America used to be stirred up for the things of God and the word of God and the knowledge of God, but America has settled down. Why? Because those responsible to keep it stirred up have quit stirring. We've quit stirring. Folks, if you don't keep them stirred up, it's going to settle down. And oh, have we settled down. Down is bad Think about my daughter We were on the couch the other night uh, Sitting eating supper Had a long day here at church And went home about seven thirty, eight 8 o'clock And we're eating supper And we're going to watch an episode of something 22 minute episode, okay The next thing I know we would eaten supper We sat down to watch an episode I don't know what it was Maybe Andy Griffith or something the Next thing it's 2.37 in the morning We're all asleep on the couch Very unflattered looking might I say As we were just fell asleep where we were so I go over to my daughter, and I said, Miley, wake up. Wake up. I said, time to go to bed. It's 2.30. What kind of a parent are we? I look at my wife. We're horrible parents. Our kids asleep on the couch at 2.37. So we woke her up, and Leslie and I went to the back. I went to brush my teeth, and uh, Leslie hopped in bed, and I walked into Miley's room. Uh, to make. I always tuck her in at night. It's the last thing I do is I put her blanket over her bed. I've been doing it for years, and I go in there, and she's not there. I look at her, so where's Miley. I go back down the hallway and look, and she's back asleep on the couch again, just curled up. She's got her own blanket now, one of those Velux blankets, you know. Oh, those are so nice. And she's curled up on the couch. I said, Molly, get up. Come on. Look, I'm not carrying her to bed anymore, okay? I'll tuck her in, but I'm not carrying her to bed anymore. And so I said, get up, get up. So she said, I'm glad she's not in here tonight. She'd be so mad at me. And so I go back. I said, come on to bed. Let me know when you're ready. She always says, I'm ready for you to tuck me in. And so that's when I know to go in and put her blanket. So I went and sat in my bed. I'm looking over the news while I'm waiting on her. I'm like, five minutes pass. I'm like, good night. You know, are you ready yet? She has to check things on her calendar before she goes to bed. I go in there look, she's not there. I go back down the hallway. Look, she's curled up back on the couch asleep sleep again. I mean, by this time, I, I'm ready to go to bed. I'm about to get unspiritual and just push her off onto the floor. I was like, oh, what happened? You know, I go in, wake up, wake up. And she said, huh 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 and she started to go back down. I said, oh, no, you're not. Daddy's ready to go to bed. you got to stay up, honey. Come on. So I pick her up, and you know it's like walking a zombie down the hallway. I'm not carrying her anymore, okay? I'm just, I'm just, I just can't do that, all right? I'm not as strong as I used to be, and she's getting bigger than she used to be. But here's what I want you to think about. I had to keep going in there to stir her up, or else she's going to fall back down and go to sleep. And we look at our country. It's in the same situation tonight we've just fallen over asleep we fall asleep on God why because the people who've been left with the responsibility to keep them stirred up to the things of God we are neglecting our duty we're negligent Peter says here I think it's meet as long as I'm in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance I can't help but think of Paul every time I think of stirring up what he told Timothy he's wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee Aren't you thankful for the pause that God sends to us in our life? I'm so thankful. I had a wonderful mom and dad. I still have a wonderful mom and dad. But in my childhood, they wouldn't let me settle down, they stirred me up for the right things. The things that were going to matter. I had teachers. I had mentors. I had friends. And they were stirring me up. They wouldn't let me go to sleep. But can I tell you something? As a 40-year-old man preaching the gospel of Christ today, I owe a lot of Pauls in my life who didn't let me settle down. They loved me enough to stir me up. By the way, young person, you've got a lot of people in this church that love you. Don't you dare get mad at Brother John when he comes and tries to stir you up a little bit. Why? He notices that you're dozing. You look like my daughter. You're starting to doze a little bit. You're drifting off. But the heath comes to you at the school. But the Nate comes to you. Your mom, your dad, or just somebody in this church that loves you. Listen, don't push them away. They love you enough to stir you up to the things of God. And I assure you, it's going to mean the world to you one day. Let them stir you up a little bit. I, I brought a stack of something I want to show you before I give you the last point. This has been a trying time for Everybody. And uh, pastors are not special by no means as far as difficulty. Everybody's got difficulty. But boy, my goodness, I've never faced anything like the last six months. And uh, there's probably not a day goes by I don't talk to another pastor. Got a phone call today from another pastor. He said, would you pray for me and my family? He says, boy, it's just the devil is after us right now. I said, you wouldn't believe how many pastors I talk to who say the same thing. Just a firefight, a spiritual firefight. I says, hey, why don't you come down in the next couple of days. My wife and I will take you and your wife out to eat. And we'll get some ice cream together and we'll fellowship together. Do you know what I want to do for him? I want to stir him up a little bit. I want to stir him up a little bit. I told Brother Nate today, I says, I want to have something in our church. We invite local pastors to come, and we're going to feed them a meal. We're going to give them a book. We're going to take them to the yard and get them some ice cream, something like that. Why? Because everybody needs stirring up every once in a while. Look, you don't have to look hard around this church to find somebody that you could stir up a little bit. Encourage them a little bit. Why? Because the more you focus on their needs, the more you get about yours. I looked in my desk drawer, my top right desk drawer today, and I looked at all of the notes. I mean, as not a week goes by, a note is not left on my desk, uh, text messages, phone calls from people, and they have no idea at how much of a blessing it is to get stirred up every once in a while. Even preachers doze off. Even preachers settle down. And I'm so thankful. matter of fact, somebody today, I'm going to hide their name so you can't see it, so I don't lose their blessing. You know, if I show their name, they lose their blessing. Somebody came to my office today, Brother Jeremiah, I hope you're having a wonderful day. I am praying for you and your family, and they left me three Reese's. Not only was it a note, it came with candy. Not only did it stir my spirit, it stirred my belly just a little bit. You know what it made me do? It made me smile. You know what? Somebody thought about me today, and it put a little bit of gas in my tank. It stirred me up just a little bit. Can I tell you, I'm thankful for a Christian who had that mindset, who was mindful not only of their needs but the needs of others. And folks, you know what it made me want to do? find somebody that I could stir up a little bit because it meant the world to me. And I assure you tonight, if you just realize that there's others who need stirring up, you'll forget about the needs you have and you'll focus on the needs of others. Number three, let me show you real quickly before we close. We see in verse 12, he was mindful of his responsibility. Verse 13, he was mindful of their need. Then look at verse 15. The Bible says, Moreover, I will endeavor... That word endeavor means I'm going to press toward. Moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. Now notice that term, my, after my decease. The last thing i want going to show you tonight that Peter was mindful of, he was concerned about what he would leave behind. He was concerned about what he would leave behind. Now listen to me tonight. If you're not careful, you're going to let the present Adversity rob you from your future potential. Peter says, you know what? I'm dying. I'm dying. Look at verse 14. I know that shortly I will put off this tabernacle. The Lord Jesus has showed me. He knows what's coming. And yet notice in verse 15, he's concerned about what he leaves behind. Number three, he was mindful of the legacy he would leave. He was mindful of the legacy he would leave. Can I tell you one of the keys tonight to advancing in adversity is you've got to think about a very important word in verse 15. It's the word after. It's the word after. Notice he wasn't focusing on the adversity of the present. He was focusing on after. Moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able after. Can I tell you, believe it or not, the coronavirus will go away eventually. The coronavirus is gonna be in our past. This election will be over. Maybe they'll go away at the same time. I don't know. Uh, The hurricanes, they're going to go away the economic problems are going to go away. Here's what I wanna ask you What kind of a legacy are you going to have after? What are you gonna have after the adversity? You say, here's what the devil does. Boy, he's fly. The devil's so smart. He gets us distracted by present adversity. that he ta- We take our mind off of the afters. We take our mind off of what are we going to have when this is over. And we realize we spent the last seven months focused on now and invested nothing in later. And yet Peter says, he says, you know what I'm thinking about after. After my decease, I want you to have these things always in remembrance. Then we read about Abel. In Hebrews 11, the Bible says that him being dead yet speaketh. Can I tell you what's going to live longer than this adversity? What's going to last longer than this adversity is the testimony of how you handled it. I want you to let that sink in just a minute. What's going to last longer than the coronavirus? Who would have thought back in March that we'd see going through this almost in October? It's gone longer than I thought, but I assure you, our testimony is going to last longer than the coronavirus. And Peter says, you know, I'm sure he didn't like the thought of dying, but he says, I want to make sure that my testimony is something that's going to last longer than my difficulty. In Joshua chapter 4 is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. I'm not going to turn there. In Joshua 4, they crossed over Jordan. God brought them across on dry land. Remember that? And remember what Joshua told him to do? He says, I want you to go to the midst of the Jordan. I want you to get stones. And I want you to come over here where God brought us across, and I want you to make a memorial out of those stones. Now, why did he say that? I'm going to read it to you in verse 6. He says that this may be a sign among you that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, what mean ye by these stones? It's amazing to me he did not say go to the river and get some sticks to leave as a memorial. He didn't say go to the river and get some fish or some reeds or some grass. He says, no, go get some stones. Do you know why? He said, I want you to leave something that will last. Stones are going to last. That's why they're called tombstones and not tombsticks. Some of you just learned something, didn't you? There's a reason they're rocks. My wife and I will be watching a Western together. I'm telling you, the Ponderosa is one of my favorite places to go during this virus. I'm not kidding. Me and old Hoss and little Joe and the whole family—we just got so acquainted together during this whole thing. It's a nice place, a clean place to retreat, you know. And my wife and I'll be watching. And somebody will die, and they'll take a stick and they'll make a cross and they'll drive it into the ground. And you know that happened. You know that happened all throughout the West as they were uh, those folks were journeying out west and setting up homesteads. And yet that stick would eventually rot. And all of a sudden that grave, there's no telling how many graves out west are gone. Why? Because there's not a lasting marker there. Now, folks, can I tell you, as a child of God, our concern should be that after we're gone, we leave something that's going to last The adversity, listen, it's going to pass. It comes to pass, okay? The coronavirus is going to go away. Listen, the economic problems are going to go away. The hurricane, it's going away right now. The tornadoes have come and gone, and they leave destruction, but after a while you'll rebuild. But I'll tell you what's going to last. It's your testimony. And Peter says, Moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. Can I tell you something tonight? We need to be more focused on what's after. He said, I'm thinking about what's after. I'm not thinking about the difficulty of now. I'm going to spend now preparing for what's after. Can I ask you tonight? Simple question and we're done. What about after? What about after? What about after this virus is over? What kind of testimony are you going to have? You see, you got to be thinking about after now. you got to be thinking about the future and the present. That's why the Bible says to set our affection on things above. That word affection means our heart or our mind the only way tonight we're going to advance in adversity the only way we're going to do that is to have the correct mindset what kind of a mindset do we have verse 12 peter says don't forget about your responsibility don't be negligent verse 13 he says don't forget about the needs of others he says in verse 15 don't forget about the legacy you're going to leave behind so tonight what kind of a legacy are you going to leave behind after this adversity that testimony needs to be something that points to Christ. Our heads are bowed tonight and our